Warning, the following podcast contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Some legends will endure the test of time. It's impossible for the human mind to not create some fantasy of events and myths, it seems, especially around events that are too terrible and heartbreaking to comprehend. These events seem to elicit the response in humankind to create an alternate story around what happened. Perhaps it's so we can all figure out a way to cope with that tragedy, to make it all make sense. Unfortunately, sometimes tragedies happen, and they don't make sense. Today's episode is one of those such tales. It's a tragedy that has captured our imaginations for over a hundred years. A tragedy that to this day still has some mystery left surrounding it, as it lays rotting below the waves. So today, on The Jury Room, we tackle one of those larger-than-life tales, which is that of the Titanic. We aren't going to look at the actual disaster today. Instead, we are going to delve into some conspiracy theories that have always surrounded the unsinkable ship. Welcome to the Jury Room Conspiracies, the Titanic Conspiracy. Hello, and welcome to the Jury Room, where we dissect some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever scar the earth, from cannibalistic serial killers to decades-old unsolved mysteries. These stories are sinister enough to keep you up at night. The night of April 15, 1912, would forever change the lives of more than 1,500 souls who found themselves trapped on the sinking vessel of the once-touted unsinkable ship known as the Titanic. In the early morning hours of the 15th, the ship would strike an iceberg forever implanting the story of the Titanic into history and society for the last hundred plus years. So how did one of the supposed greatest marvels in shipping technology of its time end up finding itself buried beneath the ocean waves for the last hundred years? Like most booms in technology, it all began with a competition among rival shipping lines who were all vying to be the number one steamship companies of the early 20th century. One company in particular, the White Star Line, would focus its energy on building the most luxurious and sophisticated ships of their time. Their only main competition was a company called Conrad out of Britain. Conrad would begin building the Mortania around 1907, which that ship would set a speed record for the fastest transatlantic crossing at 23.69 knots that record would be held for over 22 years by the company. The White Star Line, however, wanted to compete with Conrad's speed ships, deciding that they would undertake building the largest ocean liners of its time. It was a strategy to try and compete against Conrad's luxury speed ocean liners. The competition would end in tragedy, leaving both companies with ships lying beneath the ocean waves. Conrad would go on to build the Lusitania, a ship that would launch the same year as White Star's Titanic and other Olympic-style ocean liners. 
the Lusitania was a beautiful ship that held luxurious interiors and was considered a marvel of shipbuilding at its time. Unfortunately for Conrad, the Lusitania would also find herself spending her matronly years lying at the bottom of the ocean like her rival, the Titanic. On May 7, 1915, a German U-boat torpedo would tear through the luxury ocean liner killing 1,200 of the 1,959 souls on board the ship. This incident would occur only three years after the sinking of the Titanic. The White Star Company decided to take on Conrad's ships by taking part in constructing three large ocean liners known as the Olympic class of liners. These ships would measure 882 feet in length and 92.5 feet in width, giving these ships the title of largest ocean liners of their time. The title would help to give this class of ships its larger than life history and mythology surrounding the ships. Construction on the Titanic itself began in March of 1909 at the Harland and Wolf Shipyard in Belfast, Ireland. The push to construct the unsinkable ship would last two full years, construction going near non-stop on the largest ocean liner of its time. May 31st of 1911 would begin with the Titanic's large pole, which at the time was considered the largest movable man-made object in the world, being cast through the slipways and placed into the River Lagan in Belfast, Ireland. The event was a societal spectacle with nearly 100,000 people attending the ship's launch, which would surprisingly go off without a hit, signaling the durability and safety of the Titanic and the White Star Company's building prowess. With the hull safely in the river, the Titanic's shell would be towed to a dock where again thousands of workers would continue to work on the ocean giant. The work would continue for another year, while construction would consist of building the ship's deck, her interiors, and placing of her 29 mammoth boilers that would power the ocean liner's two steam engines. The Titanic was soon looking to be the most innovative and famous ship of her time. That was until design issues and engineering failures began creeping their way into the ship's construction process. There are many theories that look at the Titanic as always being doomed to find herself at the bottom of the ocean, due in large part to poor planning and design that didn't fully encompass the ship's weak points, allowing for the massive failure that the ship found itself in on April 15th of 1912. One theory states that the Olympic-class ships, which featured double-bottomed and 15 watertight bulkhead compartments equipped with electric watertight doors that could be operated individually or simultaneously by a switch on the bridge, were doomed to fail as they didn't account for one very obvious problem. The problem was pretty obvious, those watertight bulkheads the ones that would go on to impress Shipbuild magazine so much to the point that the magazine would give the Olympic ocean liners the title, practically unsinkable, had a fatal flaw. 
Simply put, the watertight bulkheads were in fact watertight, but the engineers of the Titanic missed one critical factor in the build. The walls separating the bulkheads weren't equipped to handle any water leak in the ship. So, when the Titanic would begin listing after hitting the iceberg and retaining water, those walls that separated the watertight bulkheads would allow for water to leak into other compartments, which would thus lend itself to the integrity of the ship being compromised and thus finding itself sinking below the glass-like veneer of the ocean below it. The other issue that would push the Titanic's sinking into infamy was that the ship was only outfitted with 16 lifeboats on board during its maiden voyage. In total, those lifeboats could only fit 1,178 passengers on them in case of an emergency. The Titanic at full capacity could carry 2,435 passengers and 900 crewmen, making the 16 lifeboats only able to carry a third of the lives on board the Titanic to safety in the event of a cataclysmic event. It was a disaster waiting to happen, a tempting of fate that would not look kindly on the unsinkable ship that night in April of 1912. The Titanic's maiden voyage began on April 10th, 1912. She sailed out of Southampton, England, stopped in Cherbourg, France, and Queenstown, Ireland. Then she set off across the ocean for New York with a total of 2,240 passengers and crew on board her supposed unsinkable interiors. For her maiden voyage, many of the world's wealthy elites, high-ranking officials, industrial giants, dignitaries, and even celebrities were on board the ship. The ship would also hold J. Bruce Ismay and the White Star Line's managing director, as well as the Titanic's shipbuilder, Thomas Andrews. It's important to note that the building of such an extravagant and innovative ship came with an exceedingly high price point. One of the main financiers of the Titanic was in fact wealthy financer and banker J.P. Morgan, who owned the International Mercantile Marine Shipping Trust that also happened to control White Star Line. Interestingly, J.P. Morgan was not on the ship that night in April, as he had to cancel last minute when he had business matters that delayed him from boarding the ship. It's simply this piece of fate and chance that have gone on to create some of the conspiracy theories that surround the sinking of the Titanic that fateful night in April. It's thought that a sequence of events the day of the Titanic's departure could have lent themselves to her sinking. At the very least, the events that led up to her sinking seemed to have been an omen of what was to come. When the Titanic departed Southampton on April 10th, a small coal fire was found to have begun in one of the Titanic's bunkers. The fire wasn't uncommon, and at the moment hadn't seemed like a large deal. The fire was dealt with, and the ship's integrity seemed to be still intact. The ship's captain and chief engineer both concluded 
that the fire didn't cause any structural damage to the ship, and so they continued on with the plans to sail forward. With the understanding that the ship's stokers would continue to combat the small fire and observe it while they were at sea, its events such as the small fire that occurred before the Titanic set sail towards the historical iceberg that have long since lent themselves to theories to both real scientific ones and the more out there conspiracy theories. One theory of the more scientific persuasion was put forth by a small group of researchers and Titanic experts that posits that the fire, while small and easily containable, when the ship first left Southampton, grew to become uncontrollable once the ship was far out to sea. The crew was then forced to attempt a full-speed crossing. That would move the ship at such a fast pace that by the time they saw the iceberg, the crew was unable to avoid the impact due to the speed with which the ship was traveling. It wasn't just a fire on board the ocean liner that had cause for concern. As the Titanic left the Southampton dock, she barely avoided collision with the American Lines SS New York, another ocean liner. So far the omens were stacking up against the once thought unsinkable ship. While the events weren't necessarily cause for alarm at the time of her voyage, one can't help but wonder if perhaps the Titanic's maiden voyage was always doomed to end below the icy waters. April 14th, four days into the maiden voyage, the Titanic would end with terror and fear for the passengers on board the ocean liner walls. Reports had begun to sporadically come into the vessel for ice chunks within the water, not seeing any cause for immediate alarm the captain and crew of the Titanic trudged forever onward. It wasn't until 11.30 p.m. on the night of April 14th that panic would hit the crew. A lookout on board the Titanic laid eyes on a large looming iceberg straight ahead of the large ocean liner. The crew tried to avoid collision, but it was too late by the time they realized the danger that lay directly ahead of them. The crew was able to turn the ship sharply avoiding a direct collision and instead scraping the iceberg with the side of the ship. Unfortunately, while the lookouts and the crew members of the Titanic initially thought they had narrowly escaped the collision with very minor damage to the ship, it would turn out that they were all deadly wrong. The Titanic had dragged her side against the iceberg's underwater spur the sharp ash slashing a 300-foot wound into the hull below the waterline of the ship. She was doomed the minute she scraped alongside the iceberg. Within minutes, the ship would begin to take on water. The captain and Thomas Andrews would go to tour the damage of the ship, expecting it to be minimal. They were greeted with seawater pouring in from one of the bulkheads and filling nearby compartments of the ship. The Titanic's bow was pitching downward now. An hour later, lifeboats began being dropped into the water from the Titanic. The first lifeboat only had 28 souls within it. 
that lifeboat was designed to hold up to 65 people, leaving it grossly barren in light of the looming disaster that would soon befall those left behind on the now sinkable Titanic. During the panic, more and more lifeboats were discharged from the ship. Many, if not all, were all under full capacity. Women and children made up the majority of the souls that had been dispatched onto the lifeboats. Unfortunately, there were still a sinful amount of women and children who were left behind due to the chaos that was ensuing around the now top decks of the now sinking Titanic. The Titanic would dive below the ocean waves at 2.20 a.m. on April 15, 1912, after sending a series of distress calls to the nearby Conrad ship Carpathia. The Carpathia would go and spend the night trying to round all the lifeboats with survivors from the Titanic up in order to bring the 705 survivors to safety. The rest of the passengers who had once boarded the unsinkable ship would find their water graves lying below the ocean that night. Their tomb, the twisted, mangled metal remnants of a ship that was once thought to be the greatest ship of her time, and possibly of all time. Inquiries abounded after it became apparent that the Titanic, the ship once hailed as nearly unsinkable, had in fact sunk during her maiden voyage. With the inquiries would also come the start of various conspiracy theories regarding just what happened to the Titanic that night in April of 1912. So the questions and suspicions around the Titanic began to grow, sometimes even becoming larger than life, similar to the ship that the theories and ideas circled around. The issue for many theorists isn't around whether or not a ship sunk on the night of April 15, 1912, within the waters of the Atlantic. Instead, the question is around which ship actually sank that night, killing approximately 1,500 passengers and crew that night. Simply put, the theory suggests that it wasn't the Titanic that sank that night in 1912. Instead, the ships were swapped knowingly by the White Star Line, so, let's dive into the theory now. Toying with the idea that perhaps maybe the ship that now lies below the ocean waves isn't the near unsinkable ship, the Titanic, but instead is a much older vessel, one also owned by the White Star Line. The theory proposes that lying below the ocean waves is a ship once hailed as the Olympic, another luxury ocean liner. The Titanic in this theory never made it past Southampton on her maiden voyage. Instead, she was swapped out with the Olympic in order to perpetrate insurance fraud that would give the White Star Line millions. Of course, if this was an insurance scam, then what went wrong that night that caused not only the ship to sink, but 1,500 people to lose their lives. It all begins with the White Star Line. The ship company was raging a rivalry against Conrad Steamship Company. The very owners of the ship 
that would in fact barrel through ice chunks to save as many of the passengers from the Titanic that it could. The Conrad Steamship Company had built two of the largest passenger ships in the world, the Lusitania and the Mauritania. The ships were an instant success, forcing White Star Line to try and push the boundaries of ingenuity in order to offer another ship that was even more grand than the two sister ships built by their rival Conrad. And so the ship wars would begin between the two ship owning giants. So to compete with the giant ocean liners built by Conrad, the White Star Company knew it needed more financial backing to compete with the grandiosity of Conrad's ship. They found their backing by enlisting the aid of the International Mercantile Marine Company, which was a company that was bankrolled by the illustrious and wealthy J.P. Morgan. So International Mercantile Marine Company purchased the White Star Line. With the blessing of J.P. Morgan, White Star would begin to build their now infamous Olympic-class ships. The goal would be to build these ships that would be far more grander, luxuriant, and larger than the Lusitania and Mauritania built by Conrad. So White Star would begin to build their first of three ships, naming her the Olympic, named after the type of ship class she was. She was the lead ship among the three sister ships being commissioned by White Star Line. She wasn't hailed as a nearly unsinkable ship, but the Olympic was just as innovative in design and ocean prowess as her notorious sister ship, the Titanic. The Olympic would successfully complete four brilliant first voyages. They had gone off without a hit. Unfortunately for the Olympic, the ship's fifth voyage would be met with danger and damage. On September 20th, 1911, was the day that would forever change the course of the Olympics history. The ship was passing another ship named the Hawk when the Olympics captain unexpectedly turned into the other ship, causing the two ships to collide. Luckily for the Olympic and her passengers, while she was severely damaged, the ship was able to make its way back to port in order to get everyone to safety. After an investigation into the ship crack, evidence would come forward showing negligence and responsibility lay solely at the feet of the White Star Line. So how does her sister's ship crash tie into the Titanic sinking a year later in 1912? Well, it all comes down to money. The theory proposes that when the Olympic made her way back to port, the damage was assessed. It would come back that the damage done to the Olympic was extensive and would cost an absorbent amount of money to fix. The White Star Line being considered liable for the crash in the first place wasn't going to be able to collect insurance for the damages done to the ship. So the company would have to improvise. The theory states that realizing that they were still under heavy construction of the Olympics sister ship, the Titanic, 
the White Star Line saw an opportunity to cover the damage done to the Olympic and seize on the opportunity to save themselves millions. Thus, it is proposed that the White Star Line swap the two ships. The Olympic would go under a few cosmetic changes to make her mimic her already similar sister ship, the Titanic, just as the Titanic would undergo the same to make it look more like the Olympic. The extensive damage done to the Olympic would be patched up and fixed and she would begin her maiden voyage once more except this time her name was changed to be the Titanic. The insurance fraud would come from the White Star Line knowingly swapping the ships, with one ship having a patch on it, but nowhere near reliable as its integrity was breached while the other ship would live on her days until her retirement decades later. The swap would then allow the now Titanic, formerly Olympic crew members, to intentionally sink the ship. The theory states that it was never White Star Line's intention for anyone to die during the sinking, as it was thought that the ship, after hitting the iceberg, would slowly descend into the waters below it, giving the crew ample time to safely remove all passengers and themselves before the ship sank. Then, because the sinking was due to the iceberg and not a negligent crash between it and another vessel, the insurance companies would happily pay for the sinking of the ship, fully refunding White Star Line's money it had lost after the Olympic sustained significant damages by colliding with another ship. Of course, the company didn't account for the actual damage that can be done by an iceberg when hit, and they created a situation where an already weakened hull would easily be sliced open by millions of tons of ice scraping along its side. It is theorized that now the ship known formally as the Olympic is the ship that lies below the depths of the Atlantic Ocean, hiding under the guise of the name Titanic. In recent years, many people have sought to dispel and debunk the conspiracy surrounding the sinking of the Titanic. They support evidence that the ship that sank the night of April 15, 1912 was the Titanic based on the fact that the ship's hull numbers for all three sister ships were stamped on the ship's propellers. The Olympic's number was 400 and the Titanic's was 401. Photos of the rusty shipwreck of the Titanic are stated to clearly show that the hull number seen on the rusting hulk of the once grand ship was the Titanic's 401. Due to the sheer weight of the ship's massive propellers, it would be near impossible to swap the propellers out between the ships while they were both in the water which means that the propeller numbers should be the point of truth for which ship truly was the one that sank that night. However, conspiracy theorists also propose that it is suspect that no one was allowed to inspect the Titanic before her maiden voyage. 
which fuels the thought of what was White Star Line hiding that they didn't want anyone to discover during a routine inspection. There is great debate surrounding the portholes of the Olympic in comparison to the Titanic. Theorists pushing the stance that the Olympics portholes were uneven and the Titanic's were even, but pictures show the Titanic is having uneven portholes, which would prove that the ship that was photographed as having been the Titanic was in fact the Olympic. The theory states that the Titanic was outfitted with 14 bow portholes and the Olympic was outfitted with 16 as seen in a photograph of the Olympic sailing on her maiden voyage. However, non-conspiracy theorists will argue that the uneven portholes on the Olympic was debunked by a supposed photo from 1911 showing that she did in fact have evenly spaced portholes. As for the difference in porthole counts between the ships, skeptics state that this was due to many alterations that both ships underwent while being built. Initially, the Titanic was built to be an identical match to her sister, the Olympic. However, it was later decided to make the ships have slight differences, and so the portholes were a result of these changes to both ships. So, was the Titanic really her sister ship in the Olympic in disguise? Was this all an elaborate insurance scam that went terribly wrong, costing the lives of nearly 1,500 people? The verdict is up to you. What we do know for sure is that the sinking of the Titanic is still considered one of the largest loss of life maritime events of all time, even 100 years later. Thanks for listening. And remember, you never know what's lurking in the shadows, lingering around the corner, walking past your house at night. So watch out, stay safe, and thanks for listening. This has been The Jury Room.